Welcome to the Spy Cops Info Podcast, a regular series on the secret undercover political police that infiltrated activist groups. Miniseries about informers, infiltrators and grasses. This is part three, Infiltrators. As well as all these, like, you know, uh, individuals uh, doing it off their own backs, there are other professionals, the people who, like, go in with an agenda, they go into groups specifically in order to report on them, the infiltrators. Yeah, and they're possibly the quite most dangerous. They are the professionals. Usually they have a police or military background. They're backed up by the companies um, and have got a long history of targeting protest movements of all stripes on behalf of corporate masters. Mm. Um, they don't just work for corporations. They will also pass their intelligence onto the police and many of the companies maintain close contacts with existing police forces. Mm. It was something that was complained of in one of the uh, Inspector of Constabulary reports into Mark Kennedy was that there was ongoing links between these private firms and the undercover units. And we saw that Mark Kennedy, on leaving the police in to March 2010, went straight into one of these companies, Global Open, mm. switched from spying on his friends in the environmental movement to targeting animal rights, which we know were then being sold. Those reports were being sold on for tens of thousands of pounds to corporations. Mm. I mean, it, 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 you can see the, the, the career path, really, can't you, from being a spy cop to working for one of those companies. It's like it's the obvious sort of like, career path you would take. Yeah. And if you look at a lot of careers of the senior cops they quite often go into these really big security companies like blue light olive group control risks and this is a history that's going right back into the 70s many of the senior cops involved in the angry brigade investigations for example went on to establish control risks which is still around today so there's all these sort of things they've got skills they're used to deception they're, they're used to playing games and they just continue doing it yeah, I mean, it, it 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 doesn't necessarily mean that like these are um, uh, going to be people that you you like automatically. Oh, there's some ex army guy in your group. There is uh, they they need a particular background in order to do this kind of work, right? Generally, yes. Generally, there will be special branch in some form, mm. another, or there will be ex army probably signals mm. or some of the army's own internal intelligence units, you know. There's the, once once you start looking at the police as a, and the army as a whole, you realise there's multiple intelligence units of different things, and it's not just them. It's also HMRC, Revenues and Customs, right? Yeah. Have their own intelligence unit. So a, a well-known corporate spy, uh, Rebecca Todd, mm. didn't she started off in Revenue and Customs, right? As an undercover, you know, it's like so the the bit, but fundamentally they're just following the money. They yeah. know that your corporations such as Shell and stuff want information on what environmentalists are up to and are willing to pay for it. If you, if you are if you if you find yourself targeting those famous brands who've got like you know a problem um, with with protesting, like you are you are much more likely to get targeted. Um, you know, look at like Lindsay Greenpeace who got targeted so heavily by McDonald's. You know, um, infiltration. It, it's like. It's that kind of um, corporate world where it really, really kind of we really see it in, in its really raw form. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and you 
you'll see it across the board. Like one of the more recent examples came out was the the person infiltrating the asbestos campaigns. Right, yes. You know, posing as a journalist, posing, you know, a camera person. I had somebody target me who was posing as a camera person, so that seems to be quite a a common theme. I mean, it's, it's I think in, in this day and age of, like, um, you know, a, 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 everybody's a media activist these days they want to be, right? I mean, it's a really easy thing to do. We need a camera, you know, you can, you can start putting stuff online in various different ways. It's a really easy way in, right, you know? Yeah. And again, that goes across the board. You know, Rob uh, Harrison, yeah. you know, you know, on the cover copy, you know, set, claimed to be involved in doing a film mm. of protests and stuff. It's an excuse to have a camera mm. out and about, and about be taking photographs. Except in these situations, or all the situations we knew of, the supposed films, the supposed pictures that they were always going to provide, never turned up. Mm. You know, and I would also say it's like if somebody starts taking photographs of me on the protest, going, it's like. I want to see your work beforehand. Sure. I want to know that you've done something and you're not just some random person because it's something that has happened far too often. There's just people going out taking lots of photographs and going, well, who are you? Yeah. <laughs> why do you need Why do you need my photograph? Personally, I don't ever want to see it. Yeah. Um, often, like, you kind of get those kind of those media students. They kind of float around protests. Even if they're not doing it because they're spying on the group, it, it's just, it's not really helpful. They're not actually kind of contributing to the group properly. They're not actually part of the group. They're just trying to, like, they're making a film or they're doing some project. It's like, I don't know, I've got quite dismissive of most of these. Saying that, I am currently doing a podcast where I'm approaching people to do immediate things, so I probably should shut the fuck up. No, well, you know, we're all doing this because we're politically engaged. Right. I've had a similar experience where I've been involved in running campaigns and I get quite a lot of media students coming along, oh, we want to make a film about you, and I was like, well, I've given you quite a lot of hours of my time and I've still to see anything four years on. Right. And it's just like, well, I saw at the end of the day, I need to see something out of it. And now that I've seen how many of inform, uh, informers, infiltrators and police have used similar tactics, it's like, I may be a bit more paranoid now, sure. but I want to see something a bit more upfront uh, before I just let any old person in to film me simply because they're immediately claim to be a media student. And as you say, it's like it's hard enough getting on with the group without having, right? Exactly, a lot of things tagging on. But you know, I, I think so many of these things come back to like your political kind of um, re- reason for doing these things. And like, if it's if it's not helping for that, then why are you doing it, right? Yeah. Like why it's not necessary and it's not useful and it's probably not much fun either. So just like, don't bother. Yeah, but but saying that, you know, there are various people around who I do work with, but you. Who right. I would trust, you know, absolutely, in fight. because because they've got a background and they've got proven politics. And I feel comfortable with, with them. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm not. This is not just some random stranger who's turned up, and yeah, I've got no. You know, they might produce something that's that's going to be really hypercritical. Yeah, that I've collaborated with. Yeah, no, absolutely, yeah. absolutely, yeah. But like, I mean, in terms of like. Um, a spot like spotting these infiltrators it's it's a different thing again right to um, what we were talking about earlier with the the informers um it, they're going to come out after you started doing something right they're not going to be just like speculatively like you would get with a grass it's just it's not something that's randomly happening somebody's planned ahead for it right you know yeah quite often they've turned up there's been a big action or a group has yeah. suddenly just appeared on the scene and they don't announce themselves and then suddenly Oh, I saw you. I want to get involved. And mm. my sense is 
they're generally people who enjoy the excitement. Who, you know, they don't really have the same degree of politics and they don't try and profess the same degree of politics because they know they can't carry it off. Mm. But they'll bring an exuberance, they'll bring a liveliness. We want to be really active. We want to be really involved in this. We were only interested by the action sort of thing. They were, mm. They'll have that sort of attitude. The other ones will be the ones who really get involved in the logistics stuff. Mm. You know, I think that is another another major team. You know, they won't be at the forefront of stuff, but they're the sort of person who's always helpful, always being around, providing stuff, um, generally in the background. Not necessarily particularly strong social skills. I can think of one who had next to no social skills, but did make himself very useful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's the making themselves useful thing, which I think, you know, it's um, it's so dis- that's, the, that's a really depressing one. It's like, are they really useful? Oh, God. And it's the reason why we overlook a lot of these things. But going back to the, the spy cops and everybody, um, you know, personally, I'll forgive a lot if somebody's actually reliable and, you know, kind of gets the job that they say they volunteer for done. Because of the, the, the voluntarist nature of activism, flaky people are everywhere, right? And a lot of those flaky people, they're good people. They're just, they're flaky for like, you know, life reasons. And often you, you, you infiltrate a type. Well, they're not flaky. It's their job. <laughs> yeah. And, and they quite often come from quite professional backgrounds. Yeah. And that kind of shows true they're, they want to be making things mm. happen partly because they're getting paid for it yeah they're getting paid to make to be able to report say on say well we're really close to we're mm. at the heart of the our first collective or we're at the heart of the animal rights groups mm. so we can produce and you know and that's so they'll take that back to their handlers and then go to their companies going we got somebody right in the middle of this organization yeah therefore we're going to charge you eighty thousand pounds for this report instead of forty thousand pounds and i go oh, yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, I would say that well, so many of those like those character traits you were talking about, you know, about being, you know, like enthusiasm, particularly the start of a project, you know, really throwing out um, lots of like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, we want to do things. It's not about theory; it's about doing things. Often, those are those are good, real people, right? Like, that's a perfectly natural way of responding to like a new project that like lots of people get involved in. There's, there's a lot of energy for. Um, and I know in the past, I think it's a very we were talking about snitch jacketing earlier you know like it's the kind of person who could could be a, a an infiltrator is also the perfect person you want for your campaign right the resourceful like i was going to say before about like let's not see enemies everywhere right it's really dangerous kind of thing to yeah. do that yeah and uh you know as somebody who's over over 20 30 years of activism and coming to quite a few of these like they are by far the minority of the people I've met, the vast yeah. majority of people I've met are not, not yeah. in, you know, haven't been betraying me. Yeah. It's just a couple have, and they've had quite a lot of impact. But I have to say, the vast majority of people I met, I think, are sound, honest people who just want to like, make a bit of difference in the world. Mm. Um, and I personally don't get too hooked up on, you know, trying to find them all around me or get worried or, or immediately suspecting everybody. Every now and again, something will happen. And you go, that's not right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's just, if you're saying that every other day, your balance is totally out. It actually be a very rare occasion. Yeah. And the other thing to do, if you're really serious about looking at this and concerning is you have to step back and actually go, how many other ways am I leaking information? Mm. Am I talking on the phone? Do I have a Facebook page where I'm telling the world everything I'm doing and who all my friends are? <clears throat> You have to have a you have to have a baseline against which to measure. The people 
Well, paranoia is, is not having a baseline. It's suspecting everybody for, sh- for the purpose of suspecting. Right. You know, so if, if I'm not doing anything, if I'm not going out being politically active, if I'm not doing anything that's remotely criminal or stuff, my baseline is, you know, it's like, well, am I likely to be inf- infiltrated? No, not really. Why would I suspect everybody around me? Yeah. But also... What is the impact of that? Does it make any difference? I know I'm not doing anything. I should just get on carrying my political life, accepting that you know there's always some risk. So it's, it's it's taking it's taking the appropriate measures for the appropriate amount of risk. If I'm doing stuff where I'm likely to end up doing a jail sentence, then I will take serious amounts of precautions, mm. and I will. I will put the security in and I will do the work. work. But if I'm not doing that, just continue being politically active in the way you're politically active. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I think, I, I, you know, continue being politically active in the way you are politically active, mm-hmm. I think is, it's such a key thing that, yeah, but we, it's, it's really important that people don't get like sort of freaked out too much by these topics. And like you say, it is the, it is the, you know, the majority of people are, you know, are, are not um, involved in activism, are not bad actors. Um, the the ones that do exist can have like a debilitating effect on the effectiveness of any sort of campaign, but they are a minority, and um, it's really key to just keep turning up, to keep doing what you're doing, uh, and don't let the fear of these things like kind of immobilize your campaign or your group in any way, because that is really what that is. A, that's the perfect answer for them. Yeah, and you know if they were that all powerful and that all strong, you was like whole other campaigns would never have existed in the first place we would have had all the victories that we had we would have had the intense campaigns that we've had yes we've lost some but we've also won many yeah and that's really important to remember there's a there's a few things out there that's worth reading for mm. people say it's like so on the power base on the cover research groups power base thing there's a profile of a guy called adrian farmer no, Ian Farmer, who also went by the name Adrian Radford, who infiltrated Stop Point in Animal Cruelty. Right, yes. As definitely, I would say, worth reading up about him and how how he targeted that group. <clears throat> I, we'll, we'll put mm-hmm. a link to that in the, the show description. Uh, I don't think you can read uh, Evelyn Luber's um, book on greenwashing. Right, It yeah. covers quite a bit about how corporate spies work. And in particular, looks at the McLibel case and the targeting mm. there. Um, quite fascinating. You know, you know, at one point, London Greenpeace was mostly spies in that situation. Yeah. But that's the outlier. That's 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 the exception rather than the rule. But it shows you where it can where, where it can go. Um, and the other interesting resource, a slight slight tangent on this, is the True Spy series. Right, yes. yes which... So that's that we 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 referred to this previously uh, in the series. Um, this is this documentary that was made uh, in the early two thousands that featured a whole bunch of the undercover officers, who some of whom have now appeared at the inquiry. Um, in some cases, with speaking a lot more, with a lot more candor, it felt uh, in that document to, to the makers of that BBC documentary than they are to the the council of the inquiry. Well, the inquiry in one case has given complete anonymity to one person who actually spoke to. You know, over the cover name of one person who spoke to uh, Chris Spies. Says it all, doesn't it? it? <clears throat> but there's a little known bit in, in that series where Charles Pollard, the chief constable of Cambridge, no, uh, Thames Valley Police, is talking about having an infiltrator at Newbury. Right. You know, and is that somebody, because they were having great difficulty getting somebody 
into the camps effectively because mm. basically cops couldn't dress down enough to look like <laughs> tree protesters <laughs> they just you know, they couldn't they couldn't you know get get to that level but they did hire in somebody um to to do that work on their half and you know so it stands out as a case where the police actively hired right uh an infiltrator a private infiltrator to go in now we know who that person is uh when we know that they went on you know in the, in the series they they say that he he was taken from Newbury and then sent into animal rights and that that matches with what we know of that person right you know and they were quite an agent provocateur they were mm. definitely encouraging certain things and betraying quite a bit mm. you know and there's this weird overlap between the state and the private firms and this is the first real instance we have mm. of that it's not just you know, where the police are actively employing we have earlier instances where police were definitely in receipt of corporate intelligence mm. um i believe that in one situation an on the cover mentioned that Mm. They were looking at pri intelligence reports from private firms and trying to work out which their their friends mm. in the groups was actually the source of that. Mm. So, but do it the the Newbury the Newbury case I think is quite a harboring art of what is likely to happen in the future. State employing undercovers too politically dicey, too risky, and also it's not you know it's quite an expensive job for them getting private security to do it on their behalf is the easy option. And I think that is where we will see more happening in the future. Partly because it's cheaper for the police. I mean, it's, it's, this is the neoliberal police force, right? Saying. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, they literally, they can outsource these these things. They can outsource all the all the, the, the moral dangers, the difficulties. Um, if we look at the Chiz bill, you know, it's it's about empowering agents of the state, whether those are... You know. Yeah, so the Chis, the Chis Bill, even going back to RIPA, the Regulation of Investigatory Powers Act, which creates a whole legal mm. framework around undercovers, doesn't make any distinction in the law between the police officer and an informer or an infiltrator or grass. It sees them all as our covert human intelligence sorts. Yeah. So it's that. The, the other big thing and you see a bit of this in the inquiry asking questions partly are prompting but there's no legal regulation of covert covert surveillance being done on, by corporations mm. you know so it's a way of them washing their hands so something i think we need to be very wary long term once we get past the current you know semi-fascist police police and crime bill is looking at how they will be outsourcing this sort of intelligence work to essentially an unregulated industry. And if we think a, you know, a pseudo-regulated entity like the police was bad, wait till it gets into the unregulated corporate world, the abuses will be far, far greater. Yeah, yeah. That's a light note, isn't it? <laughs> I am always a ray of happiness. <laughs> Yeah, like, don't be paranoid. <laughs> I, I know this is, you know, people don't like getting phone calls from me because I usually deliver bad news. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and it is it's a weird and dark world to be in. But the reason I do this, the reason I wanted to speak about informers and infiltrators mm. was not to make people paranoid, not to scare people, but to say it's like they're out there 
but we can deal with them. We have been dealing with them. It's to come away feeling empowered that it's mm. it's just one of those things. Let's get on being activism. And I really don't want people to be sat there going, oh, my mates, all oh, my mates. It's just like, oh, we've done so much so far. Let's continue doing it. Yeah, absolutely. They're speed bumps. They're not blockages. Okay, They're speed bumps. Yes. If you want to find out anything more about this topic, there's not a lot on informers on there. Um, but if you go to spycops.info, um, you'll find links to all our previous episodes. And uh, perhaps I should include we should include a section on informers. There's the booklet that's circulating on the internet, specifically informers, infiltrators, and grasses. We will link to that yeah. in the in the show notes. Cheers. Well, as always, if you want to support us, any support is welcome. That includes reviews, following. And also, and by no means last, um, donating some money at spycops.info.